0: centre in Islamabad, a small red light began to pulse. Many regard Hampshire as England's prettiest county. At the heart of it, away from the motorways and main roads, lies the quiet valley of the River Meon. This is farm country, the way it used to be, with few fields larger than ten acres. Most of the farmhouses are of ancient beam, brick and tile and some of these are served by barns of great antiquity and beauty. The man who perched at the apex of one such barn had a panorama of the Mion Valley and his nearest village, Meonstoke, a mile away. At the time that Abdullahi made the last phone call of his life, the roof-climber wiped sweat off his forehead and resumed his task of carefully removing the clay-pegged tiles, retaining the unbroken tiles, throwing down the broken ones. A team of expert roofers would have been faster, but also much more expensive. That was the problem. The man with the claw hammer was an ex-soldier, retired after his twenty-five-year career, and he'd used up most of his bounty to buy his dream place in the country, a barn with ten acres. The conversion of the medieval barn into a snug home had produced estimates from professional companies that took his breath away, hence the decision to do it himself. In his mind's eye, he could imagine the spacious rooms he would make below him. One day, there'd be a flagstoned patio, a kitchen garden, and a gravel drive. Each night, camping in the paddock in the balmy late summer, he went over the figures. With patience and hard work, he reckoned he could just survive on his modest budget. He was forty-four, olive-skinned, black-haired, lean, and very hard of physique. And he'd had enough of deserts and jungles. He would get a job locally, find a Labrador, and maybe even a woman to share his life. As the man on the roof removed another tile, in Islamabad, the red light pulsed. Many think that with a prepaid SIM card in a cell phone, all future billing is cancelled out. That's true for the purchaser, but not for the service provider. Unless the phone is used only within the transmitting area where it was bought, there's still a settling up to be accomplished between the cell phone companies, and their computers do it. As Abdullahi's call was taken by his brother in Quetta, he began to use time on the radio mast situated just outside Peshawar. This belongs to Pactel. So the Pactel computer began to search for the vendor of the cell phone in England. Its intent was to say, electronically, One of your customers is using my airspace, so you owe me. But the Pakistani CTC had for years required Pactel to patch through every call emitted or received by their networks to the CTC listening room. And, alerted by the British, the CTC had inserted into its eavesdropping computers an intercept suite for certain numbers. One of these had suddenly gone active. The Pakistani army sergeant, monitoring the console, hit a button and his superior came on the line. He listened for several seconds and asked, What's he saying? Something about the speaker's mother, the sergeant replied. He seems to be speaking to his brother. From where? The Peshawar transmitter. There was no need to ask the sergeant any more. The entire call would automatically be recorded. The immediate task was to locate the sender. The CTC Major pressed buttons, and a phone trilled in the office of the CTC Head of Station in Peshawar. Colonel Abdul Razak took the call at half past two. He listened attentively to his colleague in Islamabad, then asked, How long? Three minutes so far. Colonel Razak had the good fortune to have an office just yards from the Paktel direction finder mast. With two technicians, he raced to the roof to start the DF sweeps of the city, that would pin the source of the signal to an ever-smaller area. In Islamabad, the listening sergeant told his superior, The conversation has finished. Damn, said the major. But he doesn't appear to have switched off, said the sergeant. In the apartment in Peshawar, Abdullahi had made his second mistake. Hearing the Egyptian emerging from his room, he had hastily ended his call and shoved the cell phone under a cushion. But he forgot to turn it off. Half a mile away, Colonel Razak's sweepers came closer and closer. Both Britain's Secret Intelligence Service, SIS, and America's Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, have big operations in Pakistan. Colonel Razak knew both the heads of station in Peshawar. On personal terms, he was closer to the SIS man, Brian O'Dowd, and the rogue cell phone was originally a British discovery, so it was O'Dowd he rang with the news. At that moment, Mr Al-Kur went to the bathroom, and he reached under the cushion to put the cell phone back on the attache case where he'd found it. Realising it was still on, he switched it off at once. He was too late. The direction finder had done its job. What do you mean you found it? asked O'Dowd. No question, Brian. The call came from a top-floor apartment in the old quarter. Two of my undercover people are having a look. When are you going in? Just after dark. Can I come? Would you like to? Is the Pope Catholic? Razak laughed. As a believer in the one true God, I wouldn't know. All right, my office at six. The British agent was there before six. He brought with him a bottle of Shiva's Regal. It was Abdul Razak's favourite tipple. Abdul Razak wanted to take the apartment at the top of the block of flats without a raging firefight, if he could. Hence his approach was quiet and stealthy. The source of the phone call was in a tall, narrow building with intricately carved balconies and shutters, four floors above a carpet warehouse in a very narrow lane. All these buildings have flat roofs and open stairwells leading up from the street below. "'Colonel Razak led his team quietly and on foot. "'He sent four men up to the roof of a building four houses down the street from the target. "'They walked from roof to roof until they reached the final building. "'Here they awaited their signal. "'The colonel led six men up the stairs from the street. "'All had machine pistols under their robes save the point man, "'a heavily muscled Punjabi who bore the rammer. "'When they were all lined up in the stairwell the colonel nodded, and the point man drew back the rammer and shattered the lock. The door sprang inwards, and the team went inside at the run. Three of the men on the roof came down the access stairs. The fourth remained aloft in case anyone tried to escape upwards. The attack squad had no idea how many men would be inside. In fact, they found four young men watching TV. All of them were heavily bearded mountain men, and one, the fastest to react, was reaching for a gun. His name? was Abdullahi, and he died with four bullets through the chest. The other three were held down before they could fight. Colonel Razak wanted them alive if possible. The presence of the fifth man was announced by a crash from the bedroom. Two CTC hard men went in, followed by Colonel Razak. In the middle of the room they found a middle-aged Arab stooping to gather up the laptop computer he'd hurled to the floor in an effort to destroy it. Realising there was no time, he turned and ran for the open window. Colonel Razak screamed, ''Grab him!'' but the Pakistani missed his grip. The Egyptian went straight over and crashed to the cobbles 40 feet below, where he gurgled twice and died. The building and street became a chaos of shouting and running figures. Using his mobile phone, the colonel called up the uniformed soldiers he'd positioned in vans four streets away. They came racing down the alley to restore order, and sealed the apartment block. The corpse on the street was surrounded by the army and blanketed. No one had the faintest idea who he was. All that was clear was that he had preferred death to the tender attention of the Americans at Bagram camp in Afghanistan, where he would surely have been taken. Colonel Razak turned back from the balcony. The three prisoners were handcuffed and hooded. After the prisoners and the body had gone, he would spend hours scouring the flat for clues about the man with the red-flagged cell phone. Brian O'Dowd had waited on the stairs during the raid. He was now in the bedroom holding the damaged laptop. Both knew this would almost certainly be the crown jewel. The dead Egyptian had been optimistic if he thought denting the frame of the Toshiba would destroy its golden harvest. Even erasing the files within it wouldn't work. There were wizards in Britain and the USA who would painstakingly strip out every word the Toshiba had ever ingested. Pity about whoever he was, said the SIS agent. Razak grunted. He would prepare a statement for the public that an unknown criminal had died while resisting arrest. Until the corpse was identified. You'll be-